It's Greg Mackling on behalf of Loren McNabb and a vacationing Brett McGarry. It is the start on demand. Your daily look at the highlights from the start on 680 CJOB. This morning, our conversation went a place that we weren't exactly expecting it to go. Lots of discussion about volunteerism, Manitoba's propensity for volunteerism and the value of volunteerism on our mental health. We also visited two stories tied to Ukraine. What's going on in the war between Russia and Ukraine and and what are the prospects for that war continuing long term? And also no food moving out of Ukraine as Russia tore up that safe transport of grains deal late last week. What does it mean for developing countries, countries in Africa in particular, who are facing a food crisis and lots of conversation about the weather. We had some serious uh, storms overnight in southern Manitoba, some discussion about that, as well as the way that you can help one individual in our community make blankets, crochet or knit. You'll want to pay attention. It's the Start On Demand. Let's get right down to business. Mackling and McNabb with you on this Tuesday morning. Brett McGarry returns next Monday. And Loren, it was quite the rumbly, tumbly night. And I'm not talking about my stomach. I'm talking about all over southern Manitoba. Thunder, lightning, rain, and reports of hail in different parts. It twice woke me up last night. Just the, the sheer volume of rain actually before the thunder. And then the second time around, the thunder was what was rolling in. And as I left, you know, around 3.30, 3.40 this morning, it, it was coming down so hard at one point. It was so loud that I wondered if it was hail. Uh, and then Tyson, our sports in for Cam this morning, says, you know, he has family in East St. Paul. They reported hail. And Gary, listener Gary, sent us a picture from his deck. It's more, I'd say, pebble-sized and not huge amounts. But there was hail out there last night, too. So I'd love to know what people uh, got for rain. I just said to you, I need to get a rain gauge. <laughs> I don't know if that's the farmer's daughter in me. Oh, it very much is. Now, that doesn't mean but I that doesn't one. mean it's exclusive no, I know. to farmers' sons and daughters. Do you remember on WDAZ? You might not be old enough to remember, but some of our listeners will remember that the Dewey rain gauge was something that they sold on WDAZ okay. television, Grand Forks, Devil's Lake. And uh, I think that was that it was named after their weather guy or something. So they encouraged you to get this rain gauge and I'm pretty sure our loyal listener Jeff has a rain gauge because he emailed us very early this morning 434 to say that he had 55 millimeters of rain at his house in Waverly Heights so if you've got some form of measurement and maybe it's uh, something unique. Maybe there's a different way that you measure the amount of rain that you got at your place. Uh, feel p- free to, to let us know. 204-780-6868 on the text line. And what? And how often when you hear those amounts, do you still try to convert it into something that means something <laughs> to really you? That's a really good point. <laughs> you know, like you said 55. You could talk to me in millimeters till the cows come home. And I'm still, so is that like a half inch? Is how that many a quarter inches? inch? Is that two inches? I think yeah. that's a couple inches. Yeah, well, it would be 5.5 centimeters, if I'm not mistaken. And I always think about the ruler. And so ruler is 12 inches versus uh, 30 centimeters. So roughly one sixth of a, yeah, two inches, Yeah, roughly two inches, inches, right around there. 
You know, it's not exact. And I don't know why I can't that just handle certain certain measurements, but I can't. You know, same the way same when you go to the doctor's office. I have oh, the kids the height? at an appointment, and I'm like, can you please just do that in imperial? Because you're curious, or, or they do kilograms. I'm like ten times two point two, okay, and they carry the one. I'm like, you know what? Can we just can we just hit that button that converts it over to pounds, please? And I grew up on that. I'm not somebody who grew up uh, in the old system and then they converted right in sure. terms of like I should just be it should be. Natural. How I do it, but it's not. No, there are certain things where you absolutely default <laughs> to the imperial measurement and that the metric just does not work in your head. And one is for sure the height. You know, even my kids, they don't walk around saying they're 1.85 meters no, tall. They say they're six foot one. Right. I, we just, <laughs> we don't want to adapt that. John in Lorette says two inches of rain where he was. So that seems to be a standard number so far, but we're going to try to check in with some meteorologists just to get some of those totals. And if you got hail, I'd be curious to know uh, how good it was or, and by good, I just mean big it was uh, because that could impact, you know, if it was bad enough and I was driving in, I thought, I'm, I, what's the rule here? Should I pull over like, and just let the hail batter me if it's hailing? I lived in Calgary. The rule for me was find a skywalk, a plus 15, as they call it in Calgary, find a plus 15 skywalk if I was downtown and get under that. I've driven in the United States where you get, you know, these torrential downpours. I've been in Iowa, Nebraska, mostly those Midwest states. And it's very common for people to seek refuge under an interchange or an overpass across the interstate in order to get out of those rains. So uh, what's your strategy? Love to hear from you. This is a big deal. I heard this on my way in this morning. Of course, we know what a huge part of our community, the Filipino community is as part of Winnipeg, as part of Manitoba, as part of Canada. And this is gigantic news from the Women's World Cup. The Philippines stunned New Zealand one nothing to win its first ever Women's World Cup game or earn their first ever victory. Uh, that was uh, quite the accomplishment. And I imagine that our our uh, Filipino friends in, in Manitoba today will be uh, celebrating. We'll have an extra bounce in their step. That is something else. That's their second ever game, their first ever win in their first ever World Cup. So and, congratulations. And defeating New Zealand, the That's hometown right. favorite. There would have been all, all 30,000 plus sure. Kiwi, like, you know, New Zealander fans in the audience. That's so they, right. that, they had the home field advantage and the Filipino team just... Went in and took it, won nothing. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. I always love this time of year when you learn more about your just your community and people, the interests that people have. And uh, World Cup allows you just to see the diversity out there in your own backyard. Right? Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of World Cup, not necessarily what's happening in the host nation and what, hap- what is happening here in Manitoba and the different ethnic communities that celebrate their heritage uh, so proudly. At 637, we like to do this uh, every once in a while. We get this health This health index or a health, mental health wellness index. And uh, this recent or most recent release of that, Loren, is telling us that there's something about giving that's very good for us. I think we've known that anecdotally and maybe even there's some proof to that. But the power of sharing your time. At 637, we're going to speak with the folks who do this monthly survey. They've been doing it since basically the start of the pandemic. And there's a couple surprising things in it about how we score our own mental health. Would you say you feel better mentally now than you did during the pandemic? And the answers from Canadians might surprise you, but 
one thing that really jumped out was this idea that people will say they work better, they feel better at work, their mental health scores are higher when they're giving time or money, but mostly time. And it goes into the idea that they also really appreciate working for somebody who allows them to have time off to volunteer. And so if there are businesses out there that are doing that, that say, yeah, we give two days a year for you to go and give to a charity of your choice. Or sometimes, you know, there are corporations that'll say, come do a habitat build. We're doing a habitat build for a couple of days. And and the, the impact that that could have on your team's mental health in the score show that it's huge. So I'd love to hear from people who volunteer in the audience about, yes, it's not altruistic, right? Like you don't give, you give because it, you want to give back to your community, but really and truly it feels good at the end of the day to do it. And so are you someone who volunteers a lot? Because we know volunteers uh, have been huge part of Manitoba's backbone for all the things we do, but some of the festivals have struggled in the last couple of years. Different organizations have put out calls for more volunteers. And so are you still giving your time? And then, and then more than that, do you work for somebody who encourages that by actually saying, take a day, go, go do your thing? Yeah, it's a win-win, maybe a win-win-win situation. So we'll discuss that a little bit more in just a half hour's time. And then we want to talk about the Winnipeg Sea Bears. We have tickets to, to uh, no, to the Bombers today. You know why? <laughs> because there are no tickets available for the Sea Bears' last game coming up on July 29th. I went on to Ticketmaster this morning. There are exactly two single tickets left, according to Ticketmaster, as of about 5 o'clock this morning for their fan appreciation game, final regular season game of the year, Saturday at Canada Life Centre. We've got a note out to the Sea Bears. Is this true? Is this... Are you going to be opening more seats? How many seats are have you sold, et cetera, et cetera? So, so we'll, we'll get that information to you. Uh, but as of this moment, there are exactly two single seats available for Saturday night's game. What an incredible success story this first-year CEBL team has been and in our city. And such a short city. period of time. And the, so the capacity for the game Saturday is over 7,000. I don't know when they started that off, if they ever imagined that that's what they, where they would get. But we'll work to get more info on the Sea Bears. Uh, we're going to pause right now and check your weather. And then we want to come back. We want to get more into this search going on in a First Nation community about 400 kilometers northwest of Winnipeg. What are they finding? What are they hoping for? That's next. This is the Start Mackling McNabb with you. An excavation is underway at a Catholic church near a former residential school about 400 kilometers northwest of Winnipeg. So a search using ground-penetrating radar found 14 anomalies beneath the church's dirt floor a while ago. That indicated the possibility of unmarked graves, and so now that excavation is underway. We get more from Melissa Ridgen. It began with a sunrise ceremony at Our Lady of Seven Soros Church. We have to start our processes based on our our culture, based on the ceremonies that we know, um, how to create safe space. We create safe space with ceremony so that people can come into the space and feel comfortable and feel like they're being taken care of. Community and church leaders alongside forensic anthropologists. They're all small steps that people take, you know, along that road of... um, reconciling with the past and building relationships with one another. This team from Brandon University will search down here under the church. My grandmother came for three years and she would tell us stories too, like when we were little kids and scary stories. 
ground-penetrating radar found 14 spots of interest under the basement of the church adjacent to the Pine Creek Residential School that operated here from the late 1800s until 1969. We'll also be looking for anything, right? Are there any animal bones? Are there uh, potential um, archaeological artifacts or cultural materials? So all of that will be mapped and documented and photographed. The team will set up tomorrow and carefully start digging under each of these markers. It's expected to take four weeks to complete the search. RCMP are watching this project as it unfolds. Chief Derek Niepenak says whatever this excavation in this church basement does or doesn't reveal, it's about healing and moving forward. It's to clear up questions and doubts. The search, an assurance that this generation will know the truth of whatever this church holds. I met with an elder last week and he told me those kids there, Nathan, here, the kids here. For unknown children resting somewhere at this site, and for the 21 that the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation lists as having died here while attending. Melissa Ridgen, Global News, Minigan Zibi, Anishinaabe, First Nation, Manitoba. To see Melissa's story, head to cjob.com and globalnews.ca. Mackling and McNabb, it is the start on this Tuesday morning. And Loren, we've been asking our listeners to share with us, if at all possible, some rainfall totals, quite the number coming out of Charleswood and our friend Mike. Mike says, wow, what a wicked night. About nine centimeters of rain. That's 3.5 inches in our rain gauge just off our deck in southern wilds of Charleswood. Mike says he only got about four hours of sleep during the thunderstorms and the noise of the pounding rain. Also, sleep was partly owing to my concern for not having the downspouts out last night. Yep, that would keep you up, Mike. He says he's happy he cut his two acres of grass yesterday, so that rain will be uh, soaking it in. Good thing I watered my flowers last night. <laughs> That's all right. They yeah. could probably use it all, I'm yeah, sure, at this I'm stage. Sure, I'm sure they can. So keep those text messages coming, please, and thank you. We appreciate it immensely. You're such an integral part of what we do here at 680 CJOB. This is a genuine conversation. We are a community, and uh, we appreciate uh, everything you send our way. And that actually is going to be one of our stories, our interview at 935, someone in our community who's taking the bull by the horn, so to speak, to do something for folks in palliative care. Can't wait to share that with you. But we start this half hour with this fact. 30% of people working in healthcare and social assistance say their mental health is impacting their productivity at work. That number jumps to 32% for people working in food services, Loren. So those numbers come from a survey done by TELUS, and the scores show overall the grades we're giving our mental health are the same as they were in the pandemic. And so this morning, one of the questions we're asking is, how can we improve that? And one way people are finding ways to increase those mental health scores is volunteering. The same TELUS survey found those who give time or money feel better and maybe even more productive at work than those who don't. For more, we're joined by Paula Allen, Global Leader, Business and Client Insights at TELUS Health. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. So I want to talk about the volunteering component in a moment. But first, were you surprised or not surprised to read that the scores remain the same as they were in the pandemic for about four months straight now? 
Well, when you think about what we've been through through the pandemic, it's a lot of change, anxiety, risk, you know, things that the human mind doesn't like. But most importantly, it was for a long period of time. So when you have strain over a long period of time, you sometimes, you know, feel like it's just your new normal, but it does impact you. So the fact that we have essentially reset our mental health is unfortunately not a surprise given the way the human mind works. Paula, what I really like about these surveys and when we bring you on to discuss them is the idea of being aware of what's going on. But today you're coming with what I would suggest is a little bit of a a solution or at least part of a solution for those of us that might be looking to to recalibrate things as it pertains to our, our uh, mental wellness. So uh, this idea that vol- volunteering, we know it feels good. What are Canadians telling you about how good it feels and the impacts it has on their lives? Well, it's not even what people are telling us. It's what our data is telling us. And it is a very much a good news story. Uh, We know that volunteering is correlated with better mental health. And when you look at what volunteering gives you, it shouldn't be a surprise. So, it gives you a sense of connection you're doing is you're interacting one way or another. Even the process of giving is an interaction with someone else. And we know that when we have a sense of you know, not interacting with other people in a meaningful way, we have that feeling of isolation. And that is a very negative factor, a strongly negative good. We know that giving gratitude, giving anything, making someone else feel better or be better really helps us. So it actually comes back to us. So I think it is something to to think about because, you know, volunteering has benefits in a number of different ways for our society, but certainly for the volunteers as well. So some of the data shows that, you know, that there are employers who actually might contribute to this by saying, are, are, are they saying that they give the employee time to go off and volunteer? Or is it more about employers who say, you know what, this week we're all giving back to X charity by doing A, B or C. How, how, how is that relationship working for the employer to support the employee in the volunteering? Well, it's both. Uh, some some organizations support it, uh, just generally speaking, and help facilitate connections between their employees and organizations who need support. Uh, but there is a, a good portion of employers who do give time, so allow people to take time off work. Sometimes they get groups of employees together, which is fabulous because you get that sense of social connection as you're doing good for the society, the, the community as well. And it comes back to employers in a positive way also. So the employee's regard of organizations that do that is very positive. And when you have a positive regard for your employer, you're less likely to think about leaving. You're more likely to feel satisfied. You're more likely to feel an overall sense of purpose and and belonging with that employer. So good for the employee, but good for the employer as well, particularly when they put their money where their mouth is and give time off work. Well, and I think that that realization has probably been for some time now with employers. They understand that a healthy workforce is a productive workforce. And so there's a win there for organizations who who take this data and take this information and put it into action, Paula. 
Well, it's absolutely essential that employers take this very, very seriously. And, and if you really look at what makes the difference now between organizations that are thriving and then those that are languishing, it is really, you know, the state of their people. Like, do you have, you know, employees who are able to put in that discretionary effort, that innovation, uh, who collaborate with each other, who uh, have good customer service? Like, all of these touch points make a huge difference for organizations. And when the well mental well-being of the employees is well supported, you're much more likely to have that show up as part of how your employees show up at work. There's a, a, a number there also about the positive perception of them offering time. So 36% feel like they view their employer positively, Paula, when they allow them to volunteer or create that environment to volunteer. But that means that there's also a good chunk of people who don't view that po- positively. What do we make from that? view it sort of negatively or cynically but you know it's it's not it's not really um it's not really sort of a powerful factor when you have 40 percent almost 40 percent of your population who view something quite positively in a measurable way in a survey such as this this is quite significant paula i'm gonna interrupt and that could be because of other factors Paul, I'm just going to interrupt really quick because we lost that number in translation. We've got a little bit of a digitization of your connection there. You used the number 40%. Could you maybe just start, go back and start from there for us? For sure. When you have almost 40%, so it's 36% of the population who view something positively, that's fairly significant. Uh, a very small proportion view it negatively. And typically when that happens, there's other things going on between that employee and their employer, which makes them not trust anything that the employer does. So I do think employers should pay attention to the fact that this is a strong factor in having your employees view you positively and for many reasons, how they even show up on social media uh, in addition to attraction, retention and satisfaction all correlate with a positive perception. Paula Allen, Global Leader of Business and Client Insights at TELUS Health. Paula, we always appreciate your insight. Thank you so much for this this morning. Shocked to learn that Winnie the Pooh was actually named for Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Winnie, Winnie the Bear eventually became Winnie the Pooh. Most of us in Manitoba knew this. So, Loren, when did you learn it? I don't think I, I don't feel like I knew that growing up, even though I read all those books. And then I was doing stories in the early 2000s for Global Winnipeg when Winnipeg was making that big bid to redo Assiniboine Park and to bring back that Winnie the Pooh painting. That's and there right. was all this stuff going on to sort of make it a bigger part of our name. And I thought, did I even know this growing up? Just one of those things, much the way a lot of people, when we were doing stories on Shoal Lake 40 First Nation and the fact that Winnipeg's water comes from there, the number of people who said, I had no idea. You know, there's it's either on the silly side or the serious side, but you find yourself shocked sometimes and you think, that's why that phrase was coined. I was today years old when I learned fill in the blank. If you ever sat in my section as a server in a restaurant in Winnipeg, you might have been asked if you'd, you know, like a beer, a margarita or a Shoal Lake cocktail. A Shoal Lake cocktail was basically a glass of water with ice in Mm. it. 
So we digress. Skylar Peters, we're going to come to you first. Here's the question. Here's the discussion. The thing that you, how did you put it, Loren? I was this day's. I was today years old. I was today years old. I just learned this thing. When I learned fill in the blank. Okay. So I got to go all the way back to yesterday. (laughs) All the way back to yesterday. Yesterday afternoon. Uh, First time ever renting a U-Haul, actually, which is kind of a milestone moment. Moving apartments. Me and my roommate came in from Brandon. Very nice of him to do so. Uh, And uh, he's driving the U-Haul. He put his license on it. I didn't put my license on it. So I'm driving my little SUV and we're taking the U-Haul back. This is like right at six o'clock. Uh, we got to go gas it up, obviously, before you take it back, or else they're going to upcharge you on the gas and all that stuff. So we stop at an SO. Uh, I'm going to gas up my SUV at the same time, may as well. He's on the other side of the pump gassing up the U-Haul. And uh, he's like, <laughs> he's like, How, uh, do I just tap the card to the pump? And I'm like, yeah. And it like pre-authorizes for like 200 or whatever. And then you fill it up. And he's like, well, how do I know when it's done? I'm like, because the pump stops. He's <laughs> like, how does it do that? I'm like, because there's like a little hose that takes in air, and if it can't take in air anymore, the pump stops. And he's like, I'm not going to pour gas on the ground. I'm like, this guy's 25 <laughs> years old. How do you want? I'm like, I'm like, how do you, how have you gotten around? Like, he drives a vehicle, and, he, and he's not dumb. Like, he's he a only smart goes guy. to full serve, is what we're finding out. No, no, he says he only puts. He has a Chevy Avio. It's like this. He probably puts one tank in there a month. Like it's like his little his little car, right? He's like, I just put in 60 bucks. I know it takes up about 35 liters and I'm good to go. I've never like like filled, never a, gone to the filled a tank full. I'm like, this is just crazy. <laughs> Fills it with a teaspoon. And then he's like, well, so, and then I don't think he understands the concept of a pre-auth on a credit card either, a pre-authorization. So he's like, well, how, how do I know when I get my 200 bucks back? I'm like, well, they take it for a second and then, wow. you know, you charge your 68 bucks or whatever it is and then that's okay. what you're going to pay and you get your 200 bucks back. So, uh, He's I, been living felt, in fear, it sounds like, I felt like, like a Skylar. father. It was just so weird. Like, he's, I just can't believe it. It's been fear. He's been, he pe- doesn't want to spill the gas, so these he's just never done it. These are the people I live it. with, Loren. Oh, That's boy. really good. I like that. I That's am, a good story. You stay alive, Skylar. You I stay alive in that roommate situation. You're in, the, you're in the running for the blue bomber tickets with I, a story like that. I literally just watched a uh, video on how do gas pumps work, because I was wondering, like, how do they know when to stop? Like, I knew they stopped automatically, yeah. but I didn't know how, and like... There's like a whole diagram where like they split the the actual the nozzle in half and you can actually see like yeah when the gas hits a certain thing it cuts off. Yeah. I did I had to look up a video for that too, but the why is always fascinating. All yeah. right, Forte, what about you? Oh, you know for me like I like to look up like dumb facts like for example, do you know if you spell out uh the numbers 1 through 999 uh that the letter A does not show up up until you hit 1000? Oh my word! Whoa. Like one, two. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh my Whoa. gosh, that is kind of wild. It's true. So I'm it's just, just doing it right now. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Stuff like that, or um, like in Space Jam, the movie that I love as a child. Yes. I didn't know until I was an adult. Why is Marvin the Martian the referee? It's because he's both alien and a Looney Tune. Oh wow! <laughs> just simple things like that. Of course. It's when you have kids that you start to realize lots of things about. What yeah, you, you watch growing up, and you look at from a different perspective, or or you do the nursery rhymes or the books, and you realize how dark oh, they some of them were. Dark. And even the you know, it, it, did you ever have your mom do this to your toes? Like this little piggy went to market, this little piggy stayed home, this little you know, and we they, they didn't go to dying. the market they to shop. They didn't go to the market to shop, but I was doing uh, uh, it for my own kids, and I was like, wait a minute, the piggy went to market, like the piggy didn't come home, <laughs> no. and I was like, you know, in my thirties, like doing this little. <laughs> Tickling game and realizing we killed the pig. <laughs> the pig. It's not shopping 
around no, buying no. groceries? No, the piggy is not at Polo Park. Uh, <laughs> you got about 30 seconds here, Tyson. Yeah, mine's real quick, but it's it's a little embarrassing. Like probably two years ago, I just found out that UFCW wasn't like a UFC gym. Oh, like the UFC Winnipeg? I, I thought it was UFC Winnipeg. And I, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. United Food Commercial Workers I, I, Union. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but their logos, they're a little similar. And it's they're, right on Portage they're, Avenue, they're, right? Yeah. The building. And I, see, yeah. and I see people walking with gym bags. I was like, oh, I'm going to the train. Good for them. I, I suggest the UFCW was in existence before the UFC. Oh, 100%. And don't walk in there with uh, one of those uh, bodysuits looking for somebody to fight. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tyson. Your opportunity now to win those blue bomber tickets. Share with us. I was this many days old, this old fill in the blank when I learned this, this or that. It is, in fact, time for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by Cooperators, investing in your future Together, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as most of you know, are in the midst of their first bye week of the season. A third of the way through the 2023 season, the Blue and Gold are four and two and sit in second place in the CFL West, Loren. So the first place team in the West is the BC Lions. Guess who the Blue Bombers played at IG Field when they return next week? Yep, it's the BC Lions on August 3rd. And so, of course, we have tickets we want to give away Today through Thursday on the start. And so, Greg, what do we got? Well, with the players away from the game for a few days and the coaches taking a few days off, we head to the coaches show for this morning's breakfast with the Bombers. This is the type of exchange I love on the coaches show. The coach O'Shea is so accessible. A dedicated fan shares their observation. In this case, the coach gives his perspective on the issue. And then DT brings the numbers to round out the topic. Uh, looking at Zach's playing ability and the O-line itself for the blocking scheme package, Zach this year got hit a lot more during the games and a lot more sacks compared to last year. And that tells me that there's got to be something to do with the blocking scheme package on the O-line itself. I'll give you an example from uh, two games ago. Uh, Zach's first read was Nick Dembski. Nick runs downfield. He's, it's a very quick situation. So the blocking scheme is designed for the ball to get be gone very quickly. The defender grabs Nick Dembski, throws him to the ground. There's no flag. Zach has to go to his next one. By then, the, the, the defensive line has got pressure, and he ends up tucking the ball because we're in field goal range and taking a sack, right, instead of risk throwing it away and possibly uh, turning the ball over. He knew we were in position to take points. That really has nothing to do with the scheme. You know, there's just that's just one example on how something not related to protection uh, results in a sack, right? There should have been probably a flag on the play because that's where we were going with the ball. And because of the style of protection, because the ball was supposed to be gone, if the ball gets held on to longer, it results, there's probably going to be some pressure. So we've talked about sacks in the past a long time ago. And what I think fans have to realize is, you know, there's 12 people in a very intricate play. If a receiver runs the wrong depth, if he, if he's late in his waggle, if he's not on time, those all result in Zach having to hang on to the ball or do something different or go to his next uh, progression, his next read, right? So 
I think it would be unfair to place a sack solely on uh, or pressure solely on the O-line. I can list off piles of examples this year where that's just not the case, right? There is unfortunately an error somewhere else or the opposition does something uh, a little different and it causes us to pull the ball down and change the exact timing, change the timing of the play. Cause a lot of these plays are very, very specific to, you know, route depths and timing and, you know, being on being in the right place at the exact time. So it'd be too simple to say that it's uh, a, a blocking scheme. To, to add to that, Steve, and I appreciate your call, Zach, I, by my count, on 8% of his dropbacks being sacked this year, that's about 50% more than last year. So he is being sacked more, but uh, Coach ran through some of the reasons why that could be. The voice of the Blue Bombers there, Derek Taylor. Derek and I will drop a brand new episode of the Blue Bomber podcast later on today. More breakdown of numbers, statistics, the reasons why in our conversation. Derek's so good. He breaks down every single play from multiple angles, not only of the Blue Bomber games, but every play in the Canadian Football League. Check out the Blue Bomber podcast, not only for Derek's takes on things and all things Blue Bombers, but also the coaches show. If you missed it last night, you can catch it there. Download that podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast. Keep your text messages coming with regard to your X amount of days or years old when you find out found out certain things like one of our listeners who just texted us i just learned the cap on a bottle of liquor holds a single ounce oh which would be what what you'd put in a shot but that would be the equivalent of what you you know if you're making a drink typically you put an ounce in geez my shot glasses are way more than an ounce yeah well uh, you have to show some restraint yes One, would you like one finger or two fingers of alcohol on your glass? How you measure it It is all in the eye of the beholder. Route 90 North, by the way, closed northbound. That's Route 90 closed northbound at Ellis, causing all sorts of issues in traffic. Justine Ruche standing by. We'll talk volunteerism and much else as we make our way through the start. Happy Tuesday to you. Hope you're keeping dry out there. It's Mackling and McNabb with you. It is the start. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, inviting you to go to cgob.com to answer what question, Loren McNabb? Simple. Do you volunteer? The answer, no. Yes, in my own time. Yes, through work. Leading the way is 58% of you say no. 38% of you say on your own time. And 4% of you say yes through work. And it has us talking about something I think will carry on throughout the day here on CGOB. Whether your employer encourages you to do it, whether you like to do it on your own, and where do you put your time in? Because when you stop and take a look at the sheer volume of volunteers that are needed just to run day-to-day activities, we're not talking special events, say the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Games this weekend. No doubt they had they have hundreds of volunteers that are helping to keep that going. There's special events that require volunteers, but there's day-to-day activities in this province that wouldn't be able to, to go on without someone saying, I'll put in five hours to that. You think of Meals on Wheels programs, volunteer-based when you drive the food around. I was looking at the website for Volunteer Manitoba. They're looking for peer support workers, people to offer their time to talk to those in need. You have all the refugees coming in from all over the world 
often it's somebody who's a buddy. You're buddied up and you call that person to make sure that they're doing okay. And then just at the grassroots levels, like just just in those centers, it might be somebody who volunteers to run the office one hour to a week. And we got a text from a listener. This, I, 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 when I read it, I was like, right, that makes sense. Of course, that's how that runs. But again, the sheer number of people... To, to make a ski hill, for example, work. Yeah, this is from Kent. Kent Ulrich is the president of the Red River Zone of the Canadian Ski Patrol. Kent says, we are a volunteer organization that provides advanced first aid support to ski areas in Manitoba and events like the Manitoba Marathon, Kids Fest, and the World Police Fire Games. We train our volunteers in first aid and CPR, as well as toboggan rescue at the hill. We have been in Manitoba for 62 years. As a volunteer ski patrol, you get to ski snowboard for free and get amazing deals from ski and snowboard suppliers. Our next training session starts September 25th at 7 p.m. at Sports Manitoba. If you want to learn more, visit www.skipatrol.ca. So we want to get the word out. We want to have this discussion about the different places that you might volunteer, that you see volunteers, that you might be surprised to see them. I was at the Cinnaboyne Park Zoo on the weekend, and I couldn't believe the number of volunteers in blue vests that were there in order to help get you through the line to mm-hmm. pay for to pay for your entrance free and then a fee and then they seem to be at every corner of the zoo whenever you're walking around uh, you know to help you interpret either directions on how to get to the journey to Churchill or maybe they had some facts about oh if you don't see a polar bear here try going around there there are seven of them of the nine polar bears are out today i heard some people say that they heard them at this viewing uh, you know this viewing point or go to the arctic grill and you can maybe see them there so uh, the volunteers were everywhere and it got me wondering about all the different operations in our community that simply couldn't do what they do without volunteers doing it. Well, that would be a staff person or they just wouldn't have it. So your visitor experience might've been different if you didn't have that person there helping out. That's maybe not need to have somebody in that role, but it augments the experience. But if, if it's locations where you need to have somebody answering the phones or the office or, or running the website, that's often volunteer, the sheer volume of hours that gets put in. And you could say it's for free. It is, but it's also this idea we've been talking about this morning about how good it feels to give and the fact People who give time or money, according to a survey out this morning, have better mental health scores. And so how does that make you feel? How do you how do you do it? And if you are some of the volunteers, I've been thinking a lot about this as a mom, how to get your kid into that and, and how to get that started. So for me growing up, a lot of it was just through what my parents did, but also we were super active in 4-H. And then mm. the 4-H group would then go out and do different things sure. like cleaning the ditch, you know, p- picking up the litter, doing trash. You might volunteer at an event to help with a fundraiser and then some money got kicked back to the club. That's how we really got out and did things. And so if you're not in that organization, how are you How are you encouraging your kid to be a bit more philanthropic? Yeah, I know in Minnedosa, the Classic Rock Weekend, uh, the people pouring your beer or making your drinks were typically volunteers from the community because those service groups were incentivized to participate by getting a little bit of a kickback for their organization uh, because you could you would never be able to hire the number of people that you would need to hire to to serve 
beer and alcohol at those events, that alone might be the tipping point between you making a little bit of money and losing a ton of money. So that's the trade-off, right? We see that in Dauphin with Country Fest. And uh, June with a text message here says, good morning, everyone. I've returned to volunteering regularly since January 2023. I've restarted a knitting crocheting group at the Winnipeg Humane Society. It has been very beneficial to helping my mental health as my creativity levels have been increased. So I'm always planning the next project. Our group of approximately 10 knitters is making blankets for newly adopted cats as they go to their forever homes. It is a small group of volunteers and complete strangers, but now it feels as though we have known each other for a long time. We are proud to boast that the core group of five of us have made approximately 130 blankets since January. That accomplishment sure has me and the rest of the group excited to keep making more blankets. And June wraps up her thought with this. As a result, it is sometimes difficult to keep everyone supplied with enough knitting yarn to keep creating new blankets. If anyone has any leftover yarn, number four yarn, that they do not need, please consider donating it to the Winnipeg Humane Society. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, everyone. And that's from June. So there you go. Never mind the time. They have the people who are lined up. They're prepared to give the time, and now they face a shortage of the yarn that they're using to knit these blankets for the, for the Humane Society to go out with the cats as they make uh, their way to their forever home. So there's another level of it as well, Loren. Right. And cost, Sometimes, too. Correct. Because the yarn would cost money. And, and you know, there's there could be a downfall to this, too, as well. You know, you give your hours, you give your time. Time is money for people, right? And one of our listeners happens to to work in the park. You just referenced all the volunteers there and said, you know, some of those jobs used to be paid positions and for whatever reason, they switched to a volunteer model. And so there's also that conversation on the flip side about leaning too heavily on volunteers, Greg, to make things run. That What, what might have been a job at one point now becomes, well, maybe we'll just have to find somebody who will donate that time. And so there's also that fine line mm-hmm. between saying, hey, we need people to step up and hang on. You want me to step up and do what? Sounds a little bit more like doing a job for free than volunteering. One of our listeners also just uh, texting, just got back from volunteering with the North American Indigenous Games in Halifax with over 400 athletes, took two weeks off work. This is my second time volunteering for the NAIG, my wife and my two adult daughters as we came out and also took time off work to volunteer. One of my very good friends, my mom's best friend, had the experience of a lifetime volunteering in Vancouver at the Olympic Games. Oh, great. At the figure skating. I think she was at figure skating or maybe curling. And uh, she's a figure skating nut. And so, once again, there are opportunities sometimes to foster that love and to be a part of something that you might otherwise not ever have an opportunity to travel and be a part of. And that was one way that that she did that. I thought it was super cool. I think that that's what you can usually get back. I have friends who people I know who just came back from a different country where you build a home or you help with the local church or you do things like that. You might go deliver water initiatives. And so there's what is it now? It's like volunteerism. I think Hal Anderson was talking That's a few right. months back about this yeah. idea that you actually go out and you see something. You might tour Halifax a little bit, but you give back and you're spending a lot more money to do that. There's the trip involved. There's the cost you pay for it all. But 
Maybe your experience is really rewarding. Uh, uh, Jerry from Nipawa, are we allowed to read his text messages on the air, Loren? Uh, let me just, I feel like I should pre, he always starts it with hi, Loren, because I joke around about uh, digging at Nipawa. But no, go, go ahead. This okay. is a good organization. All right, we're, we're, we're allowed to read this one, Jerry. I volunteer at the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada. Beautiful facility, by the way. Come on down today and I will take your listeners on a guided tour. Once again, that's from Jerry uh, in Nipawa. He's in Winnipeg today at volunteering at the Western Canada Aviation Museum. I still need to get there, the new building. It went when, when it was the older one, you know, five or six years ago with the kids. Which was fantastic. When, when they, when they loved it. It's all about what's inside of course. the building. But that space, every time I drive by after coming and going from the airport, I think, I need to get there. So keep that feedback coming. 780-6868. What do you do? Where would you like to volunteer? How can you give back? And maybe you do have a story of where there is that fine line of being asked and asked again. And you start to wonder whether... You want to be that person putting yourself out there. Yeah, is there a, there's a point in time where maybe you're feeling as though you're being taken advantage of. Not to put a negative slant on this, but that might be part of the challenge that certain organizations might be going through right now. Fewer volunteers means that they perhaps are asking more of the volunteers they do have. As Lorenz said, we'll continue this discussion throughout the day on 680 CJOB. We want to tell you about something happening in our community and want to let you know how you can get involved. We often say many of our best stories come from you. And Loren, our next interview is an example of that. We received an email which read in part, I am starting up my own volunteer drive for people in the surrounding community who can help me out. Palliative Manitoba is in urgent need of hand knit or crocheted blankets. To help us learn more, we're joined now by Rhonda Svensson. Good morning, Rhonda. Oh, good morning. Well, thank you for what you're doing and taking the time. Well, tell us what kind of blankets do you need? What are you making them for? Oh, okay. Well, thank you first so much for having me on your show. Um, I'm talking about, um, I have my own campaign going. It's called Peace of Wool. Um, and the, it's in support of palliative care, end-of-life companion program. And we're looking for lap blankets, hand-stitched, knit or crocheted, um, there are specific sizes um, that they're asking for, approximately 36 inches by 48 inches, soft and warm, and I would say extremely comfortable. Um, that's what we're looking for, and I'm hoping to help coordinate this. Um, there's myself plus a number of other people that I have uh, that are doing some crocheting or knitting, just a handful right now, but hopefully I can get more through this um, um, line here. Rhonda, I have a question for you. How long have you been knitting or crocheting? Which do you prefer? Do you do both or do do you do one or the other? Uh, No, I crochet only. Uh, I actually learned it in high school and I've continued on throughout the years. Um, I make a lot of Afghans and um, and a few other items, but uh, yeah, I'm just a crocheter right now. I tried knitting. It doesn't work for me. My mother was an avid uh, knitter. I think she started in grade two. And um, so she was my inspiration for this piece of wool and also for the fact that she volunteered for a number of organizations and was always, always knitting, no matter where she went. Even though she worked full-time, looked after us full-time, she still was a knitter, knitaholic. So that's where my inspiration came. And, um, yeah, now that I'm retired... 
from work. Yes. And I've had both knees replaced, and now I'm on a roll. I'm ready to go to help people that need my help or my skills also. Well, my my late nanny was quite the knitter as well. Uh, we have blankets uh, that my my grandmother hand knit. She made me sweaters throughout the years. All all my kids, all the great grandkids, and all us kids came home and in knitted outfits that my grandma made. Sometimes feverishly when the babies came a little bit too early. So it's an incredible skill, and I've always been in awe of those that can crochet and or knit. There's lots of causes out there that yes. you could be, you know, spending time knitting and crocheting for. Why this one? Um, well, I did start one in uh, 2019. Um, that was just prior to the pandemic, and it was when I worked uh, full-time. And it was a campaign. It was part, uh, part of Piece of Wool, which I kind of named my, um, myself. And um, we had a campaign. And it was um, scarves, mittens, hats. Um, monetary donations, things like that, and it turned out in two months' time we did an excellent job, and it went to uh, it went to an organization that really needed our help, and uh, we actually had a pop up shop at work too. So this kind of got me on to this this part now, um, because you know after COVID and everything, and uh, like I say, after having a number of surgeries, I decided um, there was an email. Um, oh, I shouldn't say an email. There was a post on uh, social media, and it was um, palliative care, and they were looking for um, the people who knit or crochet. So that kind of tweaks my mind right there. And it, um, I checked off the list of what I could do, and I thought, this is just perfect, and I know what, people will be nice and warm and cozy and comfortable, and that's what it's all about, to help others out. So... My goal is to have a minimum of, so far, 12 handmade blank blankets, and I anticipated a date. I, I have a two-month period window that I'm looking for, so I'm looking at delivery of September the 14th. Um, if you do not want to go through me, you can also um, contact Palliative Manitoba, and they have a website. So just to let you know, there are a number of ways you can do it. You can also contact me at Gimli Goose. G-I-M-L-I, Goose, G-O-O-S-E, at Shaw.ca. Or I also am on Facebook. You know, it's often not until you, say you have kids of your own, or you have a loved one in palliative care, that you realize there's all these great people like you, Rhonda, that are donating their time and their efforts. So you maybe provide that knitted cap for the newborn or the blanket for the person who's near the end stage of their life. And it's the little things that I think really go the long way. Oh, for sure, and that that's my goal is to help others and, um, in this instance, to make that individual feel and family member feel comfortable. One more time, that email address so people can reach you, Rhonda. Oh, sure. It's Gimli Goose, G-I-M-L-I. Um, I have to spell Gimli only because it's uh, some people put an extra I in there. <laughs> so G-I-M-L-I-G-O-O-S-E at shaw.ca wonderful terrific initiative i suspect you will hear from uh, one or more of our listeners after our conversation this morning thanks for doing what you're doing thanks for sharing your story with us today and we really appreciate you reaching out best of luck Rhonda. give us an update when when things get going uh, to the next level okay 
Okay, yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, too. You're, you're more than welcome. Rhonda Svensson, she is knitting and or crocheting. Well, she's crocheting. She's looking for knitters and crocheters uh, to make a very specific size of blanket for folks in palliative care here in Manitoba. So if you want to reach out, you can do so at the uh, email address uh, she just gave out.